Welcome back to Dice and Salt. I'm Lord Richter. And I'm Lady Toast. And we're here for your weekly dose. All right. This week, episode 81 dropped. Don't lose your head. Yep. It's uh, it's a good one. I guess the uh, first thing that comes up is that Alex clears up the region confusion that I was having. They're in Ustalov, but they're in the region of Verilich. I think last time I was confusing it as two different places, but it's the same place, just a specific part. Yep. I did actually notice that and thought instantly when I heard that of you and uh, the sort of the confusion <laughs> we'd had in our previous episodes. So I was like, ah, here we go. There it is. Spelled out now, clearly. Yep. It usually comes like two episodes after. Yeah, too late. It's fine. We get resolution eventually. Yeah, listen to Inspired Incompetence. Eventually, you'll get gratification. <laughs> no, 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 no. You get gratification every episode. All right. So the episode opens up and we, you know, straightened out our region, uh, country region issue. Then we go right into a flashback, which is our genus's time in the boneyard. Mm-hmm. We have the skull of Grotus in the sky, and he's in a ghostly version, spiritly version of Vigil after it's been blown to bits. Everybody's kind of in that pre-explosion state where they think everything's wonderful, just like the guys encountered Rossler's coffer before they uh, got onto the dead roads. And uh, yep. in this uh, case, oh, no, jump, field tree, jump right in. I was going to say, and, you know, kind of right off the bat, our genus is causing a panic because he's like, stops the first guy he sees on the street and asks if the guy can see the skull moon in the sky and nearly causes a panic. People are not clearly not ready for this, and he's trying to force it on it. A little bit, yeah, but you know, not as much as the uh, weird predator things that show up. Yeah, that's yeah, different. The names of which uh, escape me. I recognize the description of the first one with the double long tail and the snaky neck and the double jaws and all that stuff. And then I recognize the flying intestine one with the maw, which I seem to recall the guys fighting in one of those two. But in any case. It's different than Rosser's yes. Coffer, though, because there weren't any yes, predators. Yes, very. It was very different, which uh, kind of led to my what I was having confusion with the episode because I didn't realize it was the boneyard with all the predators mm. and stuff like that. I just assume I my head I think just went right to it's actually vigil, like when they encountered the ghosts in Rosser's Coffer when it was surrounded by the fog. So you're like the guy not wanting to see the skull yeah, yeah, for what it that's is. Right, yeah. <laughs> It, it's kind of interesting because I, I guess if our genus died or was sent to the boneyard in this explosion, he ends up showing up in the actual group like what eight hours later? Well, you know, planar travel time. It's eh, it's, it's loose. I guess so. The GM hand waves and it slides. It just. Hmm, I don't know if we should let Alex get away with hand waving and sliding, but all right. I don't think we have a choice. Just like I had no choice when he picked up the power dice and slaughtered Thaleus. You know, he just picks up whatever dice he wants and rolls them. I can't stop him. <laughs> so you're saying that whatever he rolls and with whomever's dice he rolls it with is all on him. That is nobody exactly else. what I would be saying if everyone hadn't turned on me. <laughs> but I digress hmm. to pointless things that will have okay. no bearing in this episode. Of course, none. None at all. After the flashback, we get back to the reality of we're in Verilich. We don't know where we're going. Oh, no, it's, I take it back. We know we're going to Castle Faunum. We do know that much. Mm-hmm. But we don't know where it is. And uh, none of them have survival. Right. None of right. them. Right. No one has survival. So it's time Which to make the checks. Amazing. <laughs> I 
nobody does right. Uh, I think Nick and Matt both do terribly. Yeah, they did not. They did not roll well. Randolph and and Thelias do halfway decent, but once again, Elksy comes in and saves the day. Elksy knocks it out <laughs> of the like, park. No, 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 you idiots! It's it's that way. <laughs> I can't believe I'm traveling with you. Yes. And then Arginus kind of like hints that he thinks Arasni was hitting on him. <laughs> to which Elksy does not take well. No. Strikes me as weird. Did not take it well at all. It's funny. Alex doing Elksy's reaction there. The words he used, the, the pausing, everything about that response <laughs> to Arginus was exactly what was in my head when he would send me little notes when I would type out, oh, yes, and don't forget the Nessie storyline, and da-da-da-da-da, and da-da about Nessie, Nessie, Tarbafon and Nessie. It's the what I heard in my head when I would read his little... Uh, you know, his little responses to my uh, inquiries about that, which, of course, were always, what? How, where did you? Why? Why are you like this? And, you know, I, it just yeah. it was amazing. I loved it. I loved it. In this instance, I think Alex is right because LC is very much correct that I don't think that Erasny would choose to. Erasny doesn't pull your pigtails. Love? Or, she doesn't yeah. pull your pigtails, man. If Erasny likes you, she just flat lets you know I'm. And makes it perfectly clear. She doesn't pull your pigtails because she's too shy to, to tell you. Okay. Yeah. Like she just, I, I don't know. It, it strikes me as odd. This, this isn't really like a romance AP. Survival horror doesn't really lend itself to Oh, that's to not romance, true. So I'm a that's little... not true. You get the romance all the time and then you know somebody's got to die because you got to jack up the, uh, the you know, that, that, yeah, got to get the emotional, got to jack it up, got to, and then you kill one of them, you know, because that's just what horror does. Can't have a couple. Got to break it up. Yep. And then we get, uh, you know, kind of Uhtred being maybe overly paranoid, maybe not, um, thinking that the um, soul minder, which they can use to actually talk with Arasni, you know, he thinks that she might actually be listening to pretty much anything and everything they do, which, honestly, I kind of think she is. I don't. I don't see why she wouldn't. I'm not saying she's doing it all the time, like she's got a little earbud in her, in her ear listening to every tiny little conversation but i think she'd check in on them from time to time without them knowing well i i don't i wouldn't me, put it past her she's clearly she she's god level she was a demigod i think before this thing started and she's gone through all this crazy stuff that she's gone through she's you know was killed she's been brought back she's you know undead i don't even know how you have that as a god when you're at that level but whatever and yeah she can eavesdrop on your butt anytime she wants so the assumption is not, oh, is this the device that's giving me away? It should be, she's listening all the damn time, guys. Let's try not to sound like idiots. And, you know, I mean, come on now. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that, uh, it's the least of my worries. But, you know, whatever entertains Utrid. Yeah. And then we got perception checks. And Elksy busts out the big perception and says, I hear somebody coming, but I'm not sure. And then everybody goes into hiding. No, 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 no. They don't go into hiding. They stand there. And Alex has to ask them, are you going to hide or are you just going to let them walk up on you? And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, I guess we should do something. <laughs> well, Elksy was already hidden, so I was fine, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, and elk, fine. And Elk in the in the woods or, well, woods. This place wasn't supposed to have woods, I thought. I don't know. It's a forest. Yeah, I'm confused, too. Verilich was described as this really scrub, you know, no vegetation, lean, mean. I mean, we're still landsy. technically on the border edges. Maybe it gets worse as we go in. I, yeah, I don't know. We'll um, see. But Elksy, whatever, blends in with the trees. And then Arginus tries to become a tree. And then or, or hide Arginus <laughs> tries to hide behind half a tree. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the invisibilities Literally. come out. 
for everyone but Arginus, which is fun. And, no, and Arginus goes invisible. Randolph cast it on him. Right. He has to be cast on him, but that's fine. The, the right, thing right. They, oh, they, right. they miss and that Alex brings up a little bit later is the Phantom Steed that uh, Uhtred's riding on. Because invisibility wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't extend to the Steed. So really, there right, should be an except, elk in a Phantom Steed. <laughs> except if you re- read the description of Phantom Steed... There's really not much there to see in the first place. It's a phantom. So I guess so. Which might not look out of place in, you know, Verilich, but Yeah, it was I don't know. It, it it was certainly uh it was kinda like I got you on a technicality, but not exactly really. But, you know, it is there to be seen, it's not invisible. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a little goofy myself. But in any event, it turned out not to matter one one whit. Because No, nope, because they all hide. When the bad guys show up and they are bad guys. Effects. They are undead. And some and, mor- and they're, morgues. They were just going to let them go. Yeah, they're morgues and a, an effects. And effects. And, and well, they well, were just going to let them go. We, we thought they might let them go. It was open to interpretation that they could let them go. Until well, they, Alex they were going to let them go. pointed out what effects was. And that this particular effects had a name. It wasn't just a, yeah. some nameless so effects. It was the and then, surprise, surprise, I was wondering when this was going to kick in, by the way, because was it last episode that Matt revealed that he was a, Crix was a, no, it was this episode he reveals that Crix was a religious fanatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. But yep. surprise, surprise, Crix is a religious fanatic. And surprise, surprise, because who he really wants to play is Rogar and he just won't admit it. So Crix has the same <laughs> problem with Undead that Rogar has. Yep. I think... If Alex hadn't baited them with the history, they'd have let them all go. But Alex had to bait them because he's like, do you want to know their history? Do you want to know who this Actually, one is? I don't remember him saying, do you want to know who? I think he says, let me tell you the history of this fax. I think he busted mm. it out. I think it was. Uh, I felt like it was more baity than, than. Oh, it was definitely baiting, but it was was less trying to get them to say, give it to us. And a little more of, hey, let me give you the history. And then he gives it to him, and that's like, oh, damn. Now you know we got to do something. As opposed to, you know, they could have just said, no, we don't care. There was never really that option for them, in in all fairness, this time. They were were being a little too subtle, I think. Anyway, the the fight (laughs) ensues, and oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. What a fight. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised they ended up fighting them anyway, knowing what this guy can do. But I guess they're that bold. Well, they really... Because, I mean, they, they really didn't their, have a choice. I mean, they rolled their knowledge checks, I, I guess. I mean, let, let me take a quick look here behind the scenes. I'm going to go into the monsters on Archives of Nethys, and I'm going to look for that Fex. And let's see here. But I suspect, yep, yeah, according to this, it doesn't have any special senses, just a dark vision. So they could have stayed hidden from that. They could have let it wandered on by. Yep, they could have let it go by. But I, you know, I, I would not have banked on that, to be and, honest, uh, had you put me in their shoes. And uh, apparently morgues are in the same boat. I would <laughs> not have counted on my invisibility to save me. I mean, I, I could have seen it working, but I, I would have been uh, skeptical and I would have been worried that I'd be in trouble because they had life sense or life sight or whatever the, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, we'll never know because Crimson Herald fires off one of his bolts and... Uh... But didn't he fire off more than one? I, I remember it being, a, you know, lighting the forest on fire. <laughs> well, that was that was round one. Surprise round, he only gets off. Ah, ah. And that starts the fight. Okay, okay, yeah. 
and then he ends up going first in initiative. So the first thing he does is like fully unload where he, he launches like six of these bolts at these guys. And then surprise, surprise, he's the only one visible. So what do they do? They flank him in all four directions. Yes, that was... Uh, Which, not great. No, it was not great. And and his teammates did not rush to help him. Our, our genus wasn't coming out. <laughs> Uhtred wasn't rushing to get out. I mean, you know, you got to act in initiative order. I get that. But the chatter, you know, the, the little battle talk, the sassy fight mm-hmm. snark that was going back and forth was pretty much, well, this may be over before it starts. Well, then we don't have to break invisibility. It was It was pretty bad. I mean, I think even Randolph was debating just not <laughs> skipping his turn, but like waiting oh, he for did. Uhtred yes, to he do did. something. But he would have ended up skipping his turn regardless because Uhtred had gone right before him. So like they didn't seem too worried about Cricks being surrounded. Yeah, as he well, was. The, he had a lot of mirrors <laughs> and they were buying him some time. Oh, God, they all had mirrors. I think they all had. Like, yeah, he had, had seven like mirrors. He had, a, he had a lot of mirrors. They were all taking mirrors. And then Elksy comes in with the crit. Oh, yeah. Triple damage. Triple damage and the con drain. Boom. Which is useless on which, them which I will say is the toast dice. And I am perfectly. That's right. They're, roll, they're rolling and well as for Elksy. Toast dice roll for Elksy. They are A OK in my book. I think Matt gets several natural ones on his attacks. I think the very first bolt he launches in that yep, in that yep. barrage is the natural one. Luckily, they're unconfirmed. Yeah. So the the fights still. the fight is is full of sound and fury and just going to town. And then you know, boom, the mirrors are gone. And then and then you know, Uhtred pops up right behind the guy with on his phantom steed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and racks him. And he racks him. He hits him hard. And and then he eats. and his feet, his <laughs> special feet, just for undead, kicks in. Oh yeah, that's right. I forget he has yeah. that. Even if you can shake it off, you take all the damage from my crits, baby. Yep, because he has a ridiculous crit range, and he's basically built to crit. So that's what he does. But he can't obviously take it down in one shot. So the fix turns and was like, "You'll get yours next," and then immediately turns around and rolls a nat twenty on Crits. And then confirm. Oh man, yeah, that <laughs> okay. And a crit, no big deal. I'm surprised, but I could not believe that the card came up decapitation. It, it's insane. Like it's it's there's no, there's nothing you can do about it. They were sitting there blaming me for sending them these dice, and I'm like, no, no, he would have survived that crit because, as you know, he did not roll high enough on his fort save, and he got decapitated, and he's just instantly dead. And and. I swear he would have survived that crit had it not been decapitation. He could have taken triple damage and been fine. He'd have been hurt, and he might not have lasted the rest of the fight, but he wouldn't have been instantly dead. That's not on me. I know they're listening, and that's not on me. That's the crit cards that they chose to play with. That's not even a Patreon crit. I hear what you're saying. That's just straight from the But having faced these folks before and having tried to explain that dice are just tools— and they can't roll on their own. They didn't care. Right. And, you know, thus my level of caring care. disappeared. Especially Nick. <laughs> so if they want to blame me, fine. I have, I officially have PC blood on my hands. You know what? I'm going to go to bed here in a little bit, and I'm going to sleep just fine. Like a baby, some would say. <laughs> like a baby. Your conscience clear. <laughs> uh, yeah, your dice were pretty violent, uh, to be honest. Your dice were pretty violent. But I, I have to draw some parallels I mean, in the in the use of your dice and the use of my dice by Alex as Game Master. Uh, Yondo, mm-hmm. in the fight that uh, you know Thalias died in from all the crits, Yondo scored a crit there too. So, you know, those dice rolled 
crits for and against the PCs. I mean, so did mine. And your dice rolled crits for and against the PCs. Elks, he had crit not two rounds or two turns And even before. though my dice were apparently crit fishing and drawing crit cards, three crit cards, you know, my dice never drew decapitation and took out a player in one blow. So I think we know true. who the more dangerous dice are that shouldn't be used by GMs ever. Clearly, clearly yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, they're, it's clearly mine. It's clearly mine. And you know what? Use them anyway. Do it. But you know, if they want to, if he, if Alex wants to roll these dice for the whole book, that's what he's chosen. Oh yeah, he's not going to roll them for. There's nothing I can do about that. I don't. He could have pulled my dice back out and rolled them too, but he didn't. He could do that too. I would be just fine with it. I know you might not be, and and the players. Uh, I would be. I'm fine with it. I just, you know, I don't want to be blamed for it. It's not my fault. He misused them. I don't consider it misuse. They're just dice. <laughs> but yeah, I you, seem to but remember you, and I, you were you on and that I, train too, buddy. It's fine. You know what? It's fine. Oh man, that was entertaining. I feel for Matt though because he has been talking for several episodes and, and in the Discord that he's excited. To, he was excited to bring this character in, excited to do this new character, and then basically, you know, I mean, the first real fight, right? The, yep. Because uh, I mean, the ambush they saw coming, and it's like, ah. It's yeah, fine. yeah, and it's the and the cat. I don't count the uh, whatever it is, the cataloblos, cataloblos. What? Yeah, whatever it was. Cataloblos. I don't really count that because you know that's sort of it was it was you know a less of a threat when they came across it and everything, and then you know immediately Elksy and crimson herald come up and help them you know dogpile this thing and like you say the ambush wasn't all that they way overpowered it so here it is this is this is we're picking this fight we're not you know we're doing it we're setting the timing we're getting it here we go and smack the guy that starts it goes down and and that effect is still up yeah i think they, they might have they might have dropped all the morgues i don't know if they dropped all of them i, I know remember. they dropped one because okay. because because Crix was able to five foot step away, but the other two stepped right up with him, and you know they took out the rest of his well, he mirrors. Stepped, right, but he stepped over the body of one of them to take out the fe- to hit the fext. Right, so one of them's down, but two of them are still up. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he because like I said, remember he was he was surrounded on all four sides. Three sides of those were the morgues, and one got taken down. I think by Elksy. I think Elksy's the one that took it down. And so I remember, you know, he's Elksy, able to step Elksy. onto its body. No, he he dropped one. He dropped one and stepped over it. Uh, five right, foot I stepped over it. That I don't think that was yeah. the one Elksy hit. I thought Elksy. I mean, El, well, I don't I know. think it I was, remember. but it, it could be. Elksy was a beast. That's all I remember. Yep. But uh, I guess speaking of Matt and and Crix, we should go talk to him. He's here with us tonight, and uh, we'll see what he has to say. So we have with us tonight Matt from Inspired Incompetence. The first Matt, the only important Matt, the editing Matt, he's here to answer questions that we're going to put to him. How are you doing tonight, Matt? Well, a little less good now that you've reminded me that I don't have editing power over this. That's right. You, you don't actually have editing power here. That's, that's all me. <sighs> but, it, but it's fine. It's fine. I'll make sure you look good. So how does it feel to be powerless now, Matt? <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. That's, that's okay. All right. So let's get into it. Matt. You had a brutal character death. Yeah. What's it like losing a character right out the gate like that? I mean, I think everybody's played and lost like first level characters, but uh, Crix was 10th. 
11th. Yeah. 11th level. And man, did he get spanked. Not that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make anything big out of this for an interview or anything like that. <laughs> and I wouldn't say necessarily spanked. He was holding his own. That was just a... It was the crit card. Yeah, that was a ridiculous crit card. I mean, I still stand by what I said. I think the Crimson Herald would have survived almost any other crit. And he would have been in rough shape, but he wouldn't be dead. Oh, no, he would not be dead. I will see. He definitely would have survived just about any other crit. The trouble might have been the subsequent hits because that guy had Mm -hmm. that was like his first attack of a full attack action also true but i can say if he had survived that crit he was gonna like five foot step back on his next turn and recast mirror images if he lived through the full attack yes so kind of what we're getting to is it seems like crix got himself in a spot where you know he just was getting the beating he deserved i mean that's kind (laughs) of what i'm hearing in this this tactical situation (laughs) oof I do have to ask, I know you said Crix was a, a religious fanatic, and I guess Rogar was kind of the same way. They couldn't abide undead creatures. But it really felt like, up until Alex gave you the history of this guy, that you guys were just going to let them go. Was it was it Alex's history that, that changed that, or was it... Or were you just waiting um, silently, biding <laughs> your time to jump out there and kill him? No, it it really was the getting the history of the character that really pushed me over to the side of, okay, this thing needs to be taken out. Like, Crix definitely had a bit of, well, I shouldn't say Crix, the Crimson Herald definitely had a a bit of that, you know, suffer no undead to exist type of attitude, but he was a little more pragmatic about it when necessary. But part of this character was he was a very studied scholar of the Shining Crusade and of Last Wall's history in general. Oh. Like he grew up in Taldor, but like one of the like he was the son of a wealthy merchant and like one of the the guards that like kind of tutored him in how to fight and was kind of his bodyguard was a former knight of Ozum who raised him on stories of the Shining Crusade. So when Crix ended up leaving home, that was kind of his obvious destination was to go to Vigil and and he just became a scholar, a student of history regarding the Shining Crusade itself. So when he took on the form of the Crimson Herald in his alter ego, that's kind of how that attitude manifested. He was still kind of a crusader at heart. So while he could have that soldier's mentality of, okay, I need to let these enemy troops live so that I can make a bigger strike later on. It was that traitor to last wall aspect of the guy that made him jump into action. You mean made him Alex's pawn. (laughs) How are you doing though? I mean, Rogar left and I know that wasn't super easy for you. I mean, I mean, it's, I think it was super easy to decide what Rogar should do, but it probably wasn't very easy for you to decide, okay, now I'm going to change up characters. Yeah, especially considering how important Rogar was to the fabric of the group as the powerhouse that he really became as he, as he got, grew up in levels. Mm-hmm. Was there any kind of way you could have justified Rogar staying, or was this just a, he, he no longer can tolerate this mission because it felt like you kind of, he kind of ran out of hope there at the end once Vigil was gone. That was 
really the catalyst of it because the reason the way I was able to justify him staying around even once we got out of Roslar's coffer was that he could at least fight to try and warn someone that could try and prevent this. And when Vigil got blown up, that completely shattered any notion Rogiar had of the powers that be be able to accomplish anything. So he's, yeah, he basically just said like, well, there's no way we're stopping this. So I'm not going to waste what time I have left being away from my family. I'm going home. It's definitely a fair mentality. I mean, I mean, you survive, well, you technically, I don't know, would you count Rosar's coffer as a survival if he ends up in the boneyard? But he's not dead. Oh, well, there's an existential question for you, because, <laughs> like... Well, he was dead, right? Is, he was is, in the afterlife. Yeah, is the Rogiar that came back from the boneyard the real Rogiar? Or was the real Rogiar the, the juju zombie that we killed in the Bastion of Light? Like, that's that that's a hell of an existential crisis that's going to be weighing on, on Rogiar's mind, I'm sure. Probably for the rest of his life, I would imagine. Because he, he fought himself. Yeah. I mean, that there's no way around it. Like, that was his body, and but he has a body, and so it's all very... Very existential. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's it's interesting. I like it. I guess my other question is, this would be your first actual PC death in almost 10 books? Yeah. Yeah, it's a new feeling. Ten, 10 books? Yeah. It went all through Skull and Shackles with Devoth, even though there were a couple times in the very early, early episodes of that where Manny had to pull Devoth's ass out of the fire. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I managed to get through 130 episodes of Skull and Shackles intact, and then another 75 episodes of Tyrant's Grasp intact, and then I get this new guy, and he lasts four episodes and dead. Not even four episodes, because he came in at the end of the beginning of book two. I mean, you had the one fight with the little Catoblapas. Yeah, it's Catoblapas. And which, you know, it was a fight, sure, but it wasn't, like, dangerous, I, it could have been, I guess, but it wasn't right. And there was the fact that he didn't—he didn't have his that hat of disguise. So like he—he he had that mental block where until he could actually become the Crimson Herald again, he couldn't use a lot of his abilities. That's why he was only casting spells during that and not using like his uh, his Mystic Bolts attacks. I guess from like a uh, character question, why didn't he have his hat, or is that just a, a plot device that Alex was using? I actually, I specifically asked Alex to include that hat because it was going to be both a way for Crix to immediately bond with the group. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a, I thought it would be a dramatic way to introduce the shape-shifting aspect of his personality. Because I actually, I wove that, that hat of disguise into his backstory. Like it was a parting gift from his mother when he left home in Taldor to come to Vigil. So that was his piece of home to keep him grounded even when he was out doing his vigilante thing. I got to say, as far as your character's death goes, after going through so much with Devoth and just the AP and then, you know, the the constant salt from Alex and all that, and then Rogar, you know, avoided fatality. I, you know, I was honestly hoping for something more dramatic for your your first PC death. And then it just kind of was like, Whoosh, yeah, done. me too. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. It definitely left me feeling kind of empty. Like 
Oh, now what? In regard to that death, I understand that you were in a double recording session at that time. And somehow you yes. didn't have any of your alternate characters. I mean, you have bragged on Discord and on podcast that, you know, you've got six or seven backup characters at any one time when you make a character. What the heck happened, dude? Honestly, this was one of those because I had so long to prepare this character. Because like I said, during the retrospective, I knew Rogar was going to be leaving for a good three months at least before the end of book two book three the end of book three and i really just kind of honed in on on this character as being my new guy like i never even really had any other options for what to play this is this is like that rare occasion where i i just i caught wind of that warlock archetype for for the vigilante and just tunnel visioned right onto it it was really weird because normally i do have trouble deciding what to play and i will build a bunch of characters but i think it was a combination of of just kind of falling in love with that archetype and then having so long to prepare and actually i made a bunch of last minute tweaks to it to get it to where i wanted to be because initially i just had it pure vigilante Mm. and the more i was looking into it the more i kept really wanting to get sneak attack stuff added in there And I was doing some research and I found out that the Arcane Trickster stacked really well with those Mystic Bolts. Then I was like, okay, now I need to figure out how to get the 2d6 sneak attack to qualify for Arcane Trickster. So that's more levels off of the pure build that I got to take, which I'll put a little digression in here too. This was one of those those times where this build would have been a lot easier if Alex had... uh, just bent slightly on his uh, his restrictions on what's allowed. What was he denying you? Like, what I wanted to do was take a single level in Vivisectionist Alchemist to get the sneak attack, mm-hmm. and then take the accomplished sneak attacker feat, but that is from the Dirty Tactics Toolbox book, ah. which is not allowed. Oh, wow. And, yeah... And that would have allowed me to only need one level of Alchemist, which would have given me three levels of Arcane Trickster. And that Trickster right there would have saved Crix, wouldn't it? 11th level. So really at the heart of this, it's Alex's fault, isn't it? <laughs> Gosh dang it. I mean, always a little bit. Because if I had been able to do that, he would have had fourth level spells, which would have been greater invisibility, which would have helped Oh, gosh, greater in invisibility would have messed those things Definitely. up. Definitely. When we were yeah. doing our, our rundown of the episode, we uh, took a peek at the uh, Fext and the uh, Morgs, and they uh, don't have life sense or life sight, which means your greater your invisibility or greater invisibility would have played really well. Yeah. Yeah, I know, like, I was really excited for, it was literally, like, the next level up, like, level 12 would have gotten me fourth level spells, Uh, and I was going to take greater invisibility, I was going to take bestow curse. Wow. I love, I love the bestow curse. Yeah, this is one of those, like, I had talked to Alex about that beforehand, because, obviously, the Mystic Bolt's ability is very elemental based, Mm -hmm. and I took fire and electricity, and everyone... Everyone who's done any research into Pathfinder stuff knows that fire is the most resisted oh, yeah. element in the game. Mm-hmm. There are more creatures that resist or are immune to fire than anything else by a long shot. So I remember Alex was going to allow me to use Bestow Curse to 
lower resistances on an enemy by like 20 points or something like that. Ugh. And I also had a spell called Diminish Resistance, which lowers it by like 5 or 10. So like that was going to be my way of getting around all of those resistances that I knew were coming because we're getting to higher level and those are going to be more and more common. Mm-hmm. That would have been great. I mean, like, you know, if you get like the surprise round, you can remove that resistance like with an action and then you can just start, you know, either firing away round one or, or you know, lower well, some again, of it I guess. obviously is going to be hard yeah. with the, the remove resistance, at least the spell that you were going to use this time because the undead immune to it because of the fort save are immune to it. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting twist. So uh, how long did you spend on your replacement character mid-session uh, yeah. mid there? <laughs> this is something that, didn't, <laughs> that isn't going to make it into the final episode. I had the new character ready to go by about oh, nice. midway through that second session. Nice. Oh, wow. But now that we've had enough time, like we actually, as of the time of this recording, we haven't recorded the next episode yet. Mm. So... We have, well, we recorded the episode after my death, but we haven't recorded the the one after that. I look forward um, to it. I'm very curious as to what happens, because like you said, the guy still has the full round action, and Uhtred is right behind him now. <laughs> so Yeah, but he did already take a five-foot step, so... Oh, that's right. He's, he had to step away from him. Well, yeah. all right, so it's not quite so bad. Not as bad as I, yeah. I thought it would be. But yeah, I had... I had that new character built, you know, halfway into the second session. And now, true to form, since we've had a break since then, I have since built four other characters. And I'm, you know, narrowing down which one I'm actually going to start playing. (laughs) Well, at least you had one ready if they got to you. Yeah. Yeah. And and no hints. You're not going to give us any hints because you just haven't decided yet. Oh, I've given enough spoilers already. Really I'm going to avoid giving more. You just more. know that you, know, you, you don't have right. as big a backlog as you normally do. <laughs> uh, let's see here. We, we know that you hustled on the, making the character. Yeah, well, because I, I expected this guy to last more than four episodes. Oh. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I know. Especially given know. my recent track. I, seriously, record, like you know? I said, I was a little... It was anticlimactic. I, I mean, I, I don't want to put down your pain, but I expected so much more in, in one of your character's deaths. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, All right. I kind of want to know what you think about Tyrant's Grasp so far, like as a whole, I guess from like a player's perspective. Yeah. Uh, I will say, generally speaking, survival horror is not usually my bag. Mine I know either. Alex like absolutely loves it. But yeah, like survival horror, it's really not my bag so much. Like the one real like survival horror game that I ever really, really got into was um, Eternal Darkness on the the gamecube it was very like cthulhu-esque with like the you know the great elder gods driving you insane and stuff but it wasn't actually cthulhu mm-hmm. but I, I i was never big into like the resident evil games or perfect dark they're fun movies but it's that that style of game is just not my bag yeah i don't i don't do well with uh and, and you guys know this already i don't do well with horror you, you might remember it took me months to get through the palace of teeth <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and it was only like so, two. It episodes, felt like it I took think. us months to get through the palace. Of Maybe Keith three. Too. <laughs> Maybe three. Well, that's okay. My my only real experience with uh, that genre, I would say, would be like Doom. Yeah, and even that one's more just first person shooter. Right. Than I mean, they're not. You're not horror. really laying into the. Uh, yeah, because you don't really. I mean, you don't really have it to collect anything, right? I mean, you get guns, you get ammo. That's it. Yeah. There's no food, no tools, no you know. As Alex says, no inventory mini game. 
<laughs> All right. So Elksy's back. So I wanted to know for Crix. She was is. she Crix's best friend or just some elk bitch? <laughs> um, I mean, somewhere in the middle, I guess. I think it's pretty obvious by now that she is more attached to mm-hmm. Arasni than anything else. Well, I don't get that she's necessarily attached to Arasni. I do get that she is like not tolerating the foolishness of, you know, party characters. Yeah, but it was like there's plenty of party foolishness that she does tolerate. It was the stuff about like flirting with Arasni that really right. To be honest, Which, I was kind of taken aback um, by that too. As was I. It was I was I, not not that I was surprised Tom would do that or that someone would do that, but it, I was taken aback by that. Because that interaction didn't, to me, lend to anything remotely. And our genus has not, at least in the little bit that we've seen him, which I think is a few more episodes than we've seen Cricks, has shown any sign of, I'm interested in girls at all. Yeah, not to be it, shown any sign he's interested in anything. But Yeah, the it was just a really bizarre <laughs> yeah. comment. It caught me by surprise because, look, I'm a sucker for romance in my games and stuff, but Survival Horde... I mean, Richter, you know, did say that it, it leads to more emotional heights and valleys, but like it doesn't really fit with the, the way you guys tend to play, I don't think. So it just it really caught me off guard. Yeah. And for that particular moment, I think that was more a matter of Tom's morbid sense of humor seeping in and then Nick and Alex just kind of like rolling with it in character when it was probably supposed to be more of just like a, a fun throwaway mm-hmm. thing that probably wouldn't have made it into the recording otherwise. Well, our genius is crazy. So if it, the idea true. was I'm just going to say something crazy right now, I could see that making it in and, and being there just as our genius doing it. Although I, <laughs> I have said several times now that I absolutely loved Alex's response as Elksy because in my head, when I would write things about my Nessie story arc and Alex would type his responses – what I heard in my head as I read his responses was essentially <laughs> the response Elksy gave our genus. So I found it extremely, extremely entertaining. Yeah, it was definitely a fun moment in the episode, even if it did seem a little out of character. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a few different out of levels. All right. I guess I should ask the elephant question in the room, since Alex was rolling my dice. Uh-oh. And Nick very clearly got on to me in the episode about you know, this death being on my hands. So I guess I should ask you directly, how do you feel about it? Um, <laughs> right now I'm going to say no, <laughs> but I reserve, I reserve the right to change my mind if Alex keeps using them That's and this fair. keeps happening. That's fair. Because I will say, I like I have a set of dice from both of you. I have, I have the Lord Richter power dice and I got my toasty dice. And I will say... The toast dice are prettier, but the Richter dice are <laughs> luckier. I mean that that fits with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. So I'm not entirely sure because I because I used the toast dice at Fandom Fest, and there was an inordinate amount of natural ones there. Yeah, it was very yeah. undevothy. Well, did Devoth die? Of course no. not. Was he even hit? Yeah, he was hit a few times, but mainly we were fighting shadows, which did strength damage. So like, it wasn't that's a lot of physical true. damage flying I, around. I did listen to the episode, and I, I oh, that's right, twenty four, twenty four on the all oh, that matches. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, 
I should yeah, ask. Had to throw it in there. Did you guys enjoy Fandom Fest? You gonna do it again next year? Or oh, I absolutely. I had a blast at Fandom Fest. Like it was, it was definitely great. Finally meeting you in person, mm-hmm. Toast, and meeting uh, you know a couple other patrons and fans. It was great finally meeting Gummalau in person and his lovely family and friends. <laughs> I will say, I I would like to do it next year. Hopefully, we can get a theater with an actual like speaker setup, sound system to help us out. But it was definitely, it was a lot of fun. I had a good time. I think the few people that sat through it had a good time. Uh, my only thing is I wish I would have had a little more time to really just walk around the convention and, and see what was going on. Yeah, because you guys basically got there, what, like a half hour before, and then you did your set, and then we kind of went to lunch. <laughs> yeah, we went and got dinner and then, then like, left, yep. so. Well, next time, we'll make a, yeah. can make a whole day but, out of yeah, it. Yeah, we definitely, we, we had a good time. We want to do more events like that in the future. So. Yeah, I remember you guys went to... Fingers crossed we can make it happen. I remember you guys went to Carnage one year, a couple of years ago, right? Yes, yeah, that was like, yeah, that was before the pandemic. That was a lot of fun, too. That wasn't... Like we didn't do a performance there. That was just kind of us going to to hang out, and Alex and I each ran separate. Yeah, you games. ran a uh, Age of Ashes, didn't you? Yes, I ran the beginning of Age of Ashes. Yeah, the second edition campaign, just to as an introductory. Like this is what Pathfinder Second Edition mm-hmm, is like. Right. Because at the time, it was still pretty yeah. new. You actually kind of enjoy Second Edition, whereas I don't think many of the others on the podcast do. Or am I? misremembering that well it's more a matter of i ran them through the different playtest iterations mm-hmm. as it came out for the sweet side actions and i think the slightly changing rule set kind of threw them off combined with the dungeon that i had designed i think the, i remember nick <laughs> complaining frequently about the narrow hallways that i kept throwing them into but we haven't really done anything with it since second edition really came out so that's that's really been the whole thing. I know, obviously, Alex is the DM, so as long as he is running things, we're going to be doing first edition because that's what he's most comfortable in. That's what he enjoys, and I don't blame him for that St- at all. Stick with what you love. Um, I enjoy first edition myself. It's Yeah, it's it's fun. I, I love crunching the numbers with all the different character options and everything, but from everything that I've heard and seen, second edition is a lot easier on the GM, and it's more balanced on the player side Um, like there's there's different options you can take at every at every level for the classes but generally speaking a ninth level fighter and a ninth level monk are going to be roughly capable of the same things as far as like power level is concerned i would say the thing that i noticed because the thing that i loathe about pathfinder is that you have to map your character out to like 20th level because if you don't you could take a feat that you think is cool and then you've torpedoed your character and so you've really got to map it out. You got to map all 20 levels out to so right. you can get to be the character you want to be. Yeah, that's kind of my point. I think in second edition they fixed that a bit. Like yes. you can take like the more flavorful fun abilities and it's not going to handicap you like it yeah, necessarily it's, does it, in first. And it's it, the building to that there's a lot more of you can go with the story and pick stuff up from the story and then end up in a weird position. I, like I once had a, a Star Wars character. It was in Star Wars Saga and I, he had like four different classes, which is something I would never, ever normally do. But I did it because the character had all these had done all these different things and I liked him just fine. The system enabled you to do that and not end up behind everybody yeah. else. And a second ed is a lot like that. You can take all that 
you can take those things and not end up like, oh, geez, why am I even here? You know, I'm, I'm just not even, you know, and, and that I enjoy. Plus, it's tougher. Straight up, it is tougher than first edition. Yeah. And that was something that I honestly kind of got, I don't want to say lucky with, but I was a little fortunate with it with Rogiar because Kineticist is a class that doesn't require a lot of outside assistance. Like, it's not very heavy on the need for magic items or anything like that. So I was able to really tailor Rogiar to the campaign as we went along rather than needing him mapped out. Like, I did not have him pegged to take water as his second element at seventh level. That was really Mm. a decision made to add more healing Mm. to the group. Like, that was not my plan from the beginning. I I think this, I think Rogier was a little bit like Vipira in that, you know, I had just come off playing the same character for an entire campaign and wasn't necessarily thinking he was going to be there the whole time. But he ended up sticking around and being a lot harder to kill than I initially thought he would. Well, that windy escape still helped. As I recall, he was a wind-based guy. I was talking about Rogier, but yeah. <laughs> I think we've covered virtually every question we have. I do have one that I want to ask you, knowing that you run War for the Crown, knowing that you've just killed a PC there, knowing that you've not too long ago (laughs) suffered a character loss. How is losing a PC different for you than killing off a PC as a GM? See, this is... All right, I feel like I might get myself in trouble here. But for me, it's weird. Despite the fact that I had Devoth for so long and I had Rogiar for so long, I do my very best to not get too attached to my characters because I'm always looking at stuff and researching things and finding new concepts that I want to play. So generally speaking, the longer my characters live, the more character ideas I have that are not getting used. So I think I tend to apply that in the reverse too. So as a DM, like I am a little more ruthless about taking out a PC because I feel like I'm almost doing them a favor, letting them play something else that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten to. Oh, well, you've been giving Alex lots and lots of favors. What's going on there? You guys got a little quid pro quo going on. (laughs) I think it's the same thing that Matt was talking about in the beginning. You know, Matt doesn't have editing power here and Alex doesn't have GM power in war for the crown. And I think it shows. It does a bit, and again, it's one of those, his first character decided to split the party, and where he decided to do that, I had no real justification mm-hmm. to let him live there, and then obviously we've, we've talked about this too, like his second character, he just, he wasn't feeling it, he wasn't having a good time playing it, so we kind of rigged the system to kill him off too, but the most recent one was yeah. completely unplanned. I was, I was listening, it was... <laughs> It was a train wreck of success. I'll have to remember. Yeah. Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about, Matt? Uh, anything upcoming for the podcast or anything? I don't think we have anything on the docket for the moment, which is kind of nice because we just went through a whole flurry of activity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will say, I don't have an exact date on this, but I will say we did another crossover ah, with the Dimension that Door That makes podcast. sense. That we, because there was a lot of speculation on the Discord about why they were in your recording room. And everyone was wondering who it was. And we're like, they're doing something. But yes. that makes a lot more sense. Yep, we did a crossover episode. We recorded for five hours, over five ah. hours that night. Oh, it was hell the next morning, but it was a lot of fun. And... 
Again, I don't have an exact date, but that should be hitting the RSS feed relatively soon. Is that a like a one-shot kind of thing, or is that tie into Tyrant's Grasp? Or are you not going to tell us? I will say it does tie into Tyrant's Grasp, but I won't go into any further details. I will leave that for the episode when it comes out. That's what I figured. But it's nice to know that it kind of ties into that Meanwhile episode that you did towards the end of Skull and Shackles. Yes, it is... It's, it is a little similar to that in concept. Awesome. I look forward to that. It's going to be entertaining. Oh, yes, it is. It always is. I really enjoyed the character <laughs> that I, I, I rolled up for that one. I, I look forward to getting some reaction on that one, too. So, Well, uh, thanks a lot for coming on, Matt. It was a lot of fun. It's always nice to, of course. to have you here and talk with you. I'm, I'm sorry we had to bring you on for the reasons that we did, but... Just remember, Toast no. is not sorry that it she happens. killed Tricks. That was the crit card. <laughs> Nor should she be. See, see, right there. I'm gonna clip that, and we can just put that in the Discord <laughs> whenever someone brings it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is this was fun. I got to actually like dive into Cricks a little bit since he's probably never gonna come up on the show again, except mm-hmm. maybe briefly in the book four retrospective. So, well, at least we gave you that opportunity. So I'm glad we could do that. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. And that does it for us this week. You can find us and the players on the Inspired Incompetence Discord. Links can be found at inspiredincompetence.com. I'm Lord Richter. And I'm Lady Toast. See you next week. Bye. Bye. No, it's clearly mine. It's clearly mine, and you know what? Use them anyway. Do it. TPK the party. No, don't TPK the party, because that would be weird. I don't know how they'd come back from that. They would. But, you know, if he wants to take... They wouldn't.